0: This is Que Esperanzas, a new series from Book Public from Texas Public Radio. The expression Que Esperanzas is an ironic or pessimistic interjection meant to convey that there's little hope or an improbability of success. Book Public's Que Esperanzas series focuses on short stories with protagonists who are women surviving catastrophic injustices in their everyday lives. This week's story is Nature Exchange by Cindy Banu. Nature Exchange
1: Behind the tennis courts, Vina finds the grassy clearing that has been fruitful for her. Since her move to the area a week and a half ago, she has found a dead monarch with its wings intact, and half a mouse skull. Today, she has less luck. She picks up a handful of green-capped acorns and two pine cones. Then she spots something shiny in the grass, an iridescent abalone shell, surely dropped by a child who brought it back from a beach vacation in Florida or California. Hi. She turns to find a boy, hardly four years in age, standing behind her. He has bright eyes. Brown eyes. What are you doing? He asks. A sweatband made of blue terry cloth keeps his long blonde hair out of his eyes. A woman, her figure flat as a pancake, stands at his side. Sorry, she says to Vina. The woman raises her eyebrows and offers Vina a knowing smile, at once both apologetic and proud. He likes to talk. I dropped something, Vina says to the boy. I can help you find it, the boy says. I'm good at finding things. She thinks about giving him the shell. It is in her right fist, its edges pressed against her palm. With her other hand, she massages her side. She has an ache in her hip that she notices only when she stops moving. Finders keepers, a voice in her head says. No, you can't, she says out loud. She massages her hip again. The boy watches her do this. His mother takes hold of his hand. "We should go," she says. "Finish our walk and let this nice lady finish hers." The boy persists, even after Vina turns to leave. "What did you lose?"
0: So many ideas in in motion. I mean just that. Just that first page, page and a half. Tell us a, a little bit about the story, maybe just summarize the story for um, our readers, maybe who haven't read the story yet.
1: Okay. Nature Exchange, um, the, the protagonist of Nature Exchange is a mother, a woman named Vina, and um, her young son is dead. And two years have passed since his death, um, but her life is is dominated by her grief, and we learn as the story progresses that her son died in a school shooting, and and his death has kind of led to the disintegration of her marriage. And at the start of the story, she's newly separated and has just moved into a house of her own located very close um, to the nature center, where there's a place um, called the Nature Exchange, where children can trade natural objects in for other objects, trade in things they find like rocks and shells. And and Vina, the mother, has, has a kind of obsession with this place, an obsession with going to this place. And and we learn that that she wants to um, trade in enough objects to get enough points to get a pair of antlers that that her son um, who has died really wanted.
0: That nature exchange place is so interesting to me that I wondered is that based on a real place?
1: It is. There's a nature exchange in in Austin at the Nature Center and and children can go in and um, exchange objects and and I've been to other nature exchanges. There's one in the Atlanta area. They're all over the country and I was so the first time I went I was so so fascinated by by the idea um, it, 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 it's such a delightful concept that children can go out and explore nature and be curious about nature and and observe nature and and find things and then take them in um, and trade them out for for other other beautiful objects um, and and it kind of you know you kind of see the life cycle at these nature exchanges, there's, um, shells, um, which creatures have left. Um, there's butterfly wings. Um, there's, there's rocks, there's, you know, fossils. It's, it's, it's a really kind of fascinating, fascinating place to explore.
0: Yeah, and you can imagine how it would capture the imagination of somebody like young Neil, um, who, he has, you know, in this exchange that he has with Rosemary, the woman who works there, there's this whole discussion of, quote, wonder can be as ordinary as a piece of gravel. And uh, these little treasures that he's able to find and come in and exchange or find other things at at the nature center. And he has this interesting idea about the, the dichotomy between the non-living and the living, the non-living things cannot grow, move, or breathe, and then the living things, interestingly, anything that has ever needed food and water and produced waste, so so then it goes, a dead thing is living because it was once alive. It's just such a, this profound um, idea that you sort of carry through the story as we're sort of walking through this, you know, disastrous space for our poor protagonist you know dealing with such a an insurmountable loss with her with her little boy um having died but i I do want to go to the idea of the school shooting um i I know you're also um a journalist and so I, i i wondered if there if if There was something maybe even back from Sandy Hook or something when you were working on this. How did you come to this detail, which unfortunately for us in 2022 is not this, unfortunately, it's not an uncommon thing, right? It's just something that we've grown so accustomed to to hearing about. But I I did wonder how that detail came to be with um with the death of of neil
1: uh in in earlier drafts of the story um Bina had lost her son but but it wasn't uh, it wasn't clear to me until later on that that it was a, a school shooting um and i and and i don't um I didn't wish for it to be. Be you know, just a, a kind of plot point for my story. it It's such an immense um, horrific, you know, it's an immense loss and a horrific way to to lose a child. Um, and 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 there are, I am a reporter, and there are many reporters who've reported on on the recent school shooting and 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 the many others that that we've had. I think um, in this story, I was trying to explore something else. Um, uh, these sort of private moments that this mother has, um, had and has um, after after she lost her son in this way. And I, I, I think that fiction has the power to do that. We can stay with our characters, um, long after the tragedy has happened, you know, this was one event, the day that her son has dies. Um, but the grief exists in every single day that follows. Um, and and I tried, I tried to stay with her and show that, you know, like in the first passage I read that moment, we don't know yet when when we're reading the beginning of the story that she's lost her son in this way. But, but, later, we do. and and and, you know, we can think about what it's like to see another little boy um, after you've lost yours, what it's like to see other children on Halloween. Um, and we hear parents say, say this line um, about their children. I wish they would would never grow up and and what it's like for a mother to not be able to say that. Um, and she, Moments like she, when she finds a brownie in his lunchbox the day he dies. What it's like to open that to know that that he will never eat it. Um, uh, to see those antlers and and know that she'll never see his face brighten up um, on the day he gets it. They'll never be his. I think that that following this mother um, in in the sort of aftermath is is what I was what I was wanting to do, um, which, which is not something that I'm always able to do as a reporter.
0: Oh, I can so see that idea. And I was struck by in the hospital scene, um, when the little boy uh, is sort of yawning and making an O, and there's like this flash to his, you know, his babyhood, like the la- maybe the last time he was in a hospital was when he was born. And she notices the O of his mouth. I mean, just a, such, you know, gorgeous details like that, that of course are suffused with this unbelievable um, sorrow. I mean, she even thinks about you know, he, if he were alive today, he would be nine or ten, or you know these kinds of things. This this idea. There's a a, a line um, in the story that goes, "Grief is alive." I mean, it is. She does carry this thing. It has become a part of her daily life. I thought it was so interesting too that Vina works. Um, Uh, this, and this is the description from your story, it's a a supply chain following the life of a product from its birth to its death. And it's sort of like the way that she has to continue to march through life. And, um, you know, in a sense, provide and be a functioning member of society, like these are all the expectations that are put upon her to comport herself as if she hasn't just experience the most devastating thing, um, so there's like there's nothing very outward for for her that she does to um, demonstrate, you know, her grief, and and even the the girl at the nature center, uh, not not Rosemary, who she dealt with for so long with the little boy, but another person who works there, just can't even perceive. Um, that anything's wrong you know there's not like this extra layer of compassion that she can extend to her um but just just the 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 vividness of that inner uh burden that she's carrying around and it s- seems like it's just affected her so much in all ways even physically um but i do i want to go to this idea of Loss, you know, in in the part that you read, where the little boy says, "What did you lose?" Um, you know, all sh- all stories are about loss, and it feels like Vina has lost. It seems like she's lost everything. Even for all the ways she tries to recover some normalcy, I mean, even her marriage uh, to Mitchell um, is. is is basically over you know it's they you can tell they I can tell they love each other so much and he he has so much compassion for her but they deal with the grief in such different ways um so all of these losses for uh for for Vina, and I wonder how you consider the notion of of loss as so elemental in a short story
1: that's a it's an interesting question i don't i don't know um if when i'm when i'm writing i I have that in mind i think um I think that my i'm attempting to to just chronicle um the the human experience, just kind of chronicle her her life in the days and years after. After this happens, in um, the way you put it, that loss is part of every short story. I, I, I wonder if you could maybe say just a little bit more, and then I can, I can think about how to answer. Yeah.
0: So, you know, Frank O'Connor, the um, the Irish writer, has a a book. Uh, it's a study of the short story called "The Lonely Voice," and he makes this, you know, big declaration. Uh, all stories are about loss. Every, you know, we we lose every day and all day. We lose, you know, our keys, <laughs> our phones, our our minds. <laughs> you know, we just we're always sort of losing things or looking for things we didn't even know we're missing, and that creates a conflict, right? So, if I I just um, every time I read the story. Well, I come away with a mountain of things every time I read the story, but the first punch in the gut is, what did you lose? When the boy says, what did you lose? And it, and, and then it's just like, the story, you know, here comes the story and all of these unimaginable losses for Vina. but also, what did you find? Or what are you searching for, you know, to sort of turn the question on its head and For me, with the story, um, one of the things is her relationship with Neil. One of the things that, as a reader, um, we get to acquire is the beauty of this relationship that I think is so resonant in the ways that she can observe him, you know, not being real clear on personal space, and you know, being just who he is, and it's so beautiful, you know, his, you know, uh, borderline obsession with these little things, these little uh, rocks and pieces of gravel, and that, it that for me with the story is, is yes, all stories are about loss, and Vena just loses and loses and she has lost so much but something that as a reader I carry away with me is or I sort of gain is just the beauty of the relationship that she had with him and you, you know the story's not supposed to have a tidy ending but I feel like you know she's sort of on uh, on her way to, to something something, not redemptive, like, not like that, but that there's something there that she's holding on to so tightly. Um, You know, he's never going to be lost. He's never going to be gone. He's never, ever, ever going to be. And it goes back to this idea that he himself has about the non-living and the living. A dead thing is living because it was once alive. And that's what, for me, that's how I sort of carry the story around, is with that idea.
1: I think I think you're right. I think um, uh, you know she's 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 pursuing these antlers um, for the duration of the story. She wants them so badly, and and she she is, as you say, you know she she has a job, um, and and she's. She's educated and she's smart, um, but she thinks that these antlers somehow getting them will do something for her. Um, and, and as the as a reader, we may or may not root for her. Um, you know, we I, well, well, you know, so, so she's she's chasing these antlers. Um, we know that it's not going to um, solve her problem it's not going to give her her son back and and in the end um whether or not she gets them i i think i think you're right i think she she realizes that her the relationship she had with her son is intact um even though she's giving away all those objects that he collected, she gives them away during Halloween to trick or treaters. Even though she doesn't get the antlers in the end, that that relationship is is intact, and and she um, has not recovered from from her grief. She may not recover. We don't we don't know. Um, and her son's death has kind of left her in this void between life and death it's almost like she's moving around the world like a ghost or at least like a human kind of drained drained of life um but not not of breath um but she um i think by the end i I think that's where she is that that relationship is intact even though so so many other things are are taken from her um the many moments she she won't have um the, these these experiences she won't have with her son. I love this idea of um,
0: that it's sort of like uh, some of the things that she's bereft of in her daily life could happen as a consequence of of any other kind of loss. It doesn't have to be, you know, this, this huge thing like the death of her son. And that's what makes also what makes the story so resonant, because I was thinking about how, let's say, even if she had the, she, she had possession of the antlers, she would know that there's more searching to do. There's still a void. There's, you know, there's still a huge gaping hole to fill. And Mitchell, He's so compassionate that he's, you know, he's like, oh, I'll pay anything. I'll go get them for you. (laughs) And we know as readers, I think that even if we don't know, did they get them? Did they not get them? There's another obstacle there. There's more, there are more things in the way. And that's the, that's just how life is, you know, that's just how life works, Um, you know, so the other thing, and it's it's so, it's so such a small thing, but like acorns, like now, you know, I read this story weeks and weeks ago, but now um, the first time, and I've, re- I've read it many times since, but every time I think about an acorn or see an acorn, I think about Neil, and I, I'm just like, oh, that's so ordinary. Acorns are so ordinary, uh, because that's what he, you know, that's how he felt about them, because it uh, wasn't going to exact you know, some tremendous uh, amount for him at the Nature Center. It's just such a beautiful uh, story in, in that way of the, the memories that she has of of hanging out with him and um, his idiosyncrasies and those kinds of things. It's just such a beautiful story.
1: And, and I think, um, you know, we talked about all these losses, um, but... but with losses, there are also gains. I mean, that is the way life works. And, and, and that is the complexity of life that we, we get things and we lose things. And, and in this story, although it's about a mother who's lost her son in this very tragic way, um, we, I think we also see Um, we all we also see some some gains she has a moment of connection with this older woman who works at the nature exchange Uh, there is an understanding between them and and this is a woman who knows neil and who saw neil who saw her son alive Um, and that is very meaningful Um, and in the pursuit of the antlers although she does not get her husband back she gets back um, the man who is her her son's father their their marriage is over um, and and we see that it's over but but there's a compassion between them that we see in, in another moment of connection and those are gains in in a life um, in, in in a life that that may seem so so tragic um, it, it it's not um, I don't I don't think that um, she's in a hopeless
0: situation. Cynthia Banu, thank you so much for talking to me today. I really appreciate it. Thank you, Yvette. It was great to talk to you too. Cynthia Banu is the author of the story Nature Exchange. It can be found in her collection of stories titled, Seeking fortune elsewhere. This has been Que Esperanzas, a series focusing on short stories with protagonists who are women surviving catastrophic injustices in their everyday lives on Book Public from Texas Public Radio. Write to us at bookpublic at tpr.org. Jacob Rosati composed our theme music. Dan Katz is Texas Public Radio's news director. We have help from David Martin Davies. I'm Yvette Benavides.